Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Utilities are warning that President Joe Biden's new power plant rule could hurt the reliability of the nation's power grid. And that's concerning since power outages are on the rise because of major climate-fueled weather disasters. Power producers say the rule will force them to rely on technologies that aren't necessarily commercially viable. And they say they'll be forced to retire their fossil fuel plants at a faster pace than the sector is ready for, without the ability to replace that power generation. However, former regulators and EPA backers say industry's concerns are overblown and manageable. So today, we chat with Politico's Catherine Morehouse to learn more about the potential impact of Biden's power plant rule on the power grid. It's Monday, May 15th. What they're arguing is that the U.S. power grid is already under kind of unprecedented strain. The North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which is the national coordinator of electric reliability, and several other regional grid operators have been warning for a while now that in some parts of the country, coal plants are just retiring more quickly than we can possibly add more new generation to the system. And some of that has to do with a clogged transmission system, which we've talked about many times. But alongside that, we've also seen some really crazy weather events that are only expected to get worse and less predictable. And we're also trying to transition broad swaths of the economy onto the power grid, like switching from gas vehicles to electric vehicles, for instance. And that will only drive up demand further and require more energy resources. So they're basically saying that all of that is accumulating together to kind of create a perfect storm. And this rule is not helpful in maintaining that reliability and maintaining really that balance of supply and demand that we need. They say that this rule is going to speed up retirements of some of those fossil fuel power plants if they can't meet new emissions limits. And they also say that this could freeze investment in new natural gas-fired power plants, some of the kind of smaller, more flexible models that are needed to make up this generation shortfall and have been seen as a good compatibility with with wind and solar resources. And meanwhile, they also say that some of the technologies needed to meet that goal, carbon capture and hydrogen, for instance, just haven't been proven at scale yet. So it it doesn't really seem viable to make those investments yet. So there's definitely a lot of hand-wringing among power plant owners in particular about what the next decade might look like under this rule. So we'll have to see. Got it. And if some of those issues were to come to pass, where could we see reliability concerns in particular? And why might certain areas of the U.S. be more vulnerable than others? Yeah, so the most vulnerable areas could conceivably be areas that still have a lot of coal on the system. So for instance, in a lot of the East Coast, they've already transitioned from coal to natural gas and and are building offshore wind and some of those resources. But the Midwest, for instance, is a lot more vulnerable because there is still a lot of coal, comparably a lot of coal-fired power plants that just would first presumably be some of the first to kind of get edged out under this rule. And also, again, they just were kind of already facing this energy crunch. So the fear is that, okay, we're going to see these coal plants retire maybe even quickly than we were going to before. And then we're really not going to have very many options. We already kind of had limited options for bringing on new resources. Now it's going to be really limited because those investments in new gas plants just won't be very viable. 
so that's kind of the fear in the Midwest and West and kind of other really coal dependent regions in particular. And you also spoke to former regulators who say these fears from industry are overblown and manageable. So what are some of the different reasons people mentioned to you? I heard a few different perspectives on this. And one is that the same fears were raised after the clean power plant came out. And even though the clean power plan wasn't actually implemented, just the fear of that really led to a lot of quickly retiring coal-fired power plants. And it kind of just changed the market incentives for some of these resources. And what we saw was basically a cleaner, cheaper resource mix. We started switching to natural gas and we started switching to wind and solar. And we've seen wind and solar really explode in recent years. And now we're working on energy storage and, and all of these other resources. Our air is a little bit cleaner because of that. And we're kind of now on this path to really accelerating toward a zero emissions power system, which is kind of the goal, right? And and they also say that Look, a big reason why reliability issues have been so bad in the past several years is because of climate change, which we know is caused by burning fossil fuels. And again, we're aiming toward creating a zero emissions grid because of that. And so at some point, we kind of really need to take those steps and kind of start investing in those technologies. And the government has put a ton of money toward technologies like carbon capture and like green hydrogen and advanced nuclear and some of these resources that can make that difference. So they're saying, you know, now is really the time to make it happen and to move toward a a zero emissions grid. And so what are some other solutions that experts raise to you on ensuring reliability while the grid's transition potentially accelerates from this rule if it's to be implemented? Yeah, so I think the point that I heard was that now is really the time, experts say, to kind of work towards some of the more low-hanging fruit solutions. And some of those include getting grid-enhancing technologies onto the power system, which means basically ensuring that transmission lines are able to hold more capacity onto their systems, which could solve some of the many problems that we face with getting renewables, all of the renewables that the IRA is incentivizing actually onto the grid. And other technologies like on the demand side, like rooftop solar and energy storage and some of these resources that can actually reduce demand on the system. And so just thinking about other ways to be a little bit more creative with using kind of smaller parts of the system versus just thinking in big power plant terms. Also, on Friday, the Biden administration unveiled its latest guidance for new clean energy tax incentives under Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act. This time, the guidance specifically focuses on a potential 10% bonus credit that the administration says will strengthen U.S. manufacturing and enhance national security. That credit can be stacked on top of the investment and production tax credits for projects and facilities that use domestically produced steel, iron, and manufactured products. With this guidance, the Biden administration is trying to carve a middle ground by providing both the demand-side incentive for bringing supply chains to the U.S., while also ensuring support for deployment of solar, wind, and energy storage. However, it's already receiving pushback from some manufacturing advocates that say it does not go far enough to diversify the supply chain. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Before we go, I want to invite you to Politico's first ever energy summit. Hear from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi, and more to hear about the new energy transition. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 18th. See you in person here in D.C., or you can join us virtually. For more details and RSVP, visit www.politico.com energy summit. I hope to see you there.
I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.